Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media, where I'll include their links in the show notes. How's everybody doing? This is episode, I believe, 119, man. It's been uh, it's been quite a quite a grind. I'm I'm so so uh, grateful to have you all here. I keep watching these um, these downloads, man. This thing has skyrocketed, so it's insane, man. I wanna I just gonna dive into it, man. I wanna I wanna tell y'all what I did the other day. I did something that I'm super proud of, and uh, I think it's uh, when I when I when I'm talking about mental wellness, I talk about celebrating small victories, right? I think a lot of times. We are victorious in our own minds and certain situations, and nobody else really sees that. So we feel like nobody really appreciates the work that we've put in to actually do the things that we've done. But I feel it's very important. It's extremely important for us to recognize the victories, regardless if anyone else does. So I'm going to tell you what I did the other day, and I want to tell you how huge this was in my world. I, uh, I was at home. And we were out of peanut butter, and I needed to make a protein shake desperately. We were out of peanut butter and oatmeal, and I always make these peanut butter and chocolate um, protein shakes with honey and cinnamon, etc. And, and I'm missing those two ingredients. And then I just stood there, and I stood there for like ten minutes, just kind of. I would open the pantry and hope it hope a peanut butter and a oatmeal would appear, but it wouldn't appear. I just kept I kept wishing that it would show up, and this is why. I have a fear of going to the store, to the grocery store. And it's been like this for a very long time, especially the grocery store where where we live, where my family is. And the reason is this. Every time that I go into that grocery store or any grocery store in that area, they're all they they all have the same construction. They all have that um steel truss construction. And when I look up at the ceiling when I'm in that building, I immediately start having flashbacks to 2007 and the fire and the furniture store fire that killed my buddies that we had to go into. And every single time I go into that store, I'm extremely uncomfortable. I start reliving horrible moments. I start having these vivid images pop into my head and nobody can see it, but I can see it. And it fucks up my breathing. It And when I leave the store, it, it just, it, it fucks me up. So I stay out of the stores for that reason right there. My wife even knows like, so there's been tons of morning where we're out of coffee and it's six in the morning and she knows how uncomfortable it makes me. So she says, you know what? Hang out, hang here. I'm going to the store. And she knows that because I communicate this with her. That's my point. That's what I'm getting at. Well, if we constantly run from the things that make us uncomfortable and the things that, that we're afraid of, 
where's the growth? You know, I always tell people, man, I don't have all this stuff figured out. I'm still fucked up in every sense of the word. I still fail all of the time. I took a hard phone call today from somebody that I care about. And then turns out I've failed that person too. And so I'm not always winning over here, but I promise you, I recognize it and I try to be better for it. I try to make it to do better. I really, I try to do better in my life once I realize how big of a problem that certain things are. So what I'm getting at is this. My wife was at school, so I realized I'm out of ingredients. And if I want it, I got to sack up. I got to man up and I got to go, I got to go put myself in this uncomfortable environment because what does that say about me if I start avoiding all of the places that, that make me uncomfortable? And what's that going to do for my children? And eventually I'm going to be, get to a point where I never leave the house. And I know there's a lot of us out there because I get the messages. I get the messages from spouses. I get so many messages. This happens to a lot of um, police spouses that I know of because I've gotten a lot of these messages from um, law enforcement wives. I'm talking tons of messages like this. They're like, my husband, when he's home, he doesn't want to do anything. He doesn't want to go anywhere. He w- he refuses to leave the house unless it's just to go to work. And that's for a reason, man. I mean, the reason is we understand the dangers that are out there. I mean, these officers, they know what's out there. They know the evil that lurks out there where most people, they are just completely oblivious to it. So they can go and have a good day where when an officer who's off duty or somebody that's extremely hypervigilant is, is, is in that area, they can't relax. Their anxieties in overdrive. They're constantly in protection mode. And so that's kind of why, why we recluse to our houses. And, but the problem is over the years, it becomes so normal to us that we don't even realize how different we really are. And we don't realize the catastrophic effect that has on our family's ability to socialize with people. It's, it's, it's pretty sad actually. So anyways, back to the store, um, I, I pull up to the store and I'm fully anticipating to walk in. And right when I walk in to just like see, smell, hear, and taste things again, And it started happening the second I walked in. I mean, the second I walked in and I glanced up at that ceiling and I saw those trust beams up there and I immediately started thinking about it, but I stopped and I actually stopped. I walked over where the, uh, most people call them shopping carts down South. We call them buggies. And I walked over by the buggies, which put your groceries in and I just stopped and I said, all right, this isn't real and just take a breath. And you know what happened, man? It changed. It it changed that quickly for me. I was able to get out of that. I was able to not see, smell, hear, and taste that environment. And I went in and I got my peanut butter. Now I did it pretty quickly. (laughs) I was still kind of scared. I went and got my peanut butter and I got my oatmeal and I paid for it. They told me $14. I said, motherfucker, this shit's expensive. And then I left, right? But I got in my truck and I just sat there and I actually celebrated with myself. I was happy and I was like, man, I did it. I fucking did it. I went to the grocery store as a grown man by myself and I did it. And then I went home and I made my protein shake. And when my wife came home that day, you know, I looked her in the face. I said, guess what I did today? And she said, what? She was all excited. She's like, what? And I go, I went to the store and she said, by yourself. I said, by myself. And then we hugged and it was a beautiful thing. And as silly as that sounds, man, That's something to be celebrated because she knows how difficult that is for me. I know how difficult that is for me. And it sounds silly to most people. And you know what it made me want to do? It made me want to do it again. 
and it made me want to do some other things. And I've really been working on putting myself into other environments lately and uncomfortable environments. Cause I'm, I'm on this kick where, um, I think hypervigilance will ruin your life. I really do. I, I, I think it's just as dangerous as secondary traumatic exposure. I really do. And I think if you're always nervous and you're always anticipating the worst and you're always get you're on the edge of your seat, ready to freak out, well, you're preparing yourself and you're setting the stage for yourself and, you, and you're setting yourself up for failure because it's bound to happen. We yesterday, I did something even more uncomfortable. I took my girls to the fair, to the state fair. And this is a big bitch. Thousands of people there. Thousands. Now, two years ago, Travis would never do something like this. But I tell you, I tell you that to tell you this. I'm constantly trying to grow. When I realize there's an issue with something, I address it. Many times I don't even realize there's an issue. Do you know why? Because it's become so normal to me. I don't even see the forest for the trees. That's like a, uh, you ever walk into a smoker's house and it stinks and they don't even know it stinks because they're in constantly in that environment that they don't even know it stinks. It's like people that own dogs. Like I, we own three dogs and my house probably smells like dogs, not, not dogs that shit all over the place, but just dogs, right? Where I probably don't even smell it because I'm so accustomed to dogs. And that's what happens with our behavior. We get so used to doing the things that we do. We don't realize they're not normal. We don't realize that we should switch things up. So anyway, I went to the fair with my family and we had a blast, man. My girls had fun. My wife had fun. I had fun. The only thing I didn't like was uh, the prices of everything. Now, I'm usually not a very cheap person, but man, I went off when we went in there. It cost we spent over $200 just to get in. By the time we parked, got our tickets and everything, we're over $200. Then sausage um, dogs were, were $15. Hot dogs were $10. Lemonade was like $8. It was insane. But long story short, we had a great day. And I'm glad I put myself in that position because what I'm doing is I'm changing the way that I think and I'm changing the way that I behave, not necessarily just for me, but for the people that I love. I'm trying to be in moments with them. And how can I be in moments with them if I'm afraid to go anywhere? And what really sparked this was a message the other day I got from a wife and she told me she's a police wife. And she told me that she has three kids and her husband refuses to go do anything when he's not working and he loves his children loves his children, but refuses to leave the yard. He just won't go anywhere unless he's going to work with them. And she says, it's like pulling teeth. And if he ever does leave, it's like, oh my gosh, daddy's actually coming. And think about that. Think about what that job is doing to that man and doing to that family. It's driving a wedge between him and everything he loves, you know? And I just, I just like placing emphasis on, you got to go out into this big, scary, dangerous world. And you got to risk it for the people you love. And you got to risk being uncomfortable because we, we always, we always had that mindset. What if, what if something bad happens? Right. And you know, same thing with investing money. Well, what if this doesn't work? And, and what if that happens? But what we don't ask ourselves is what if, what if great things happen? What if I put myself in this position today that I'm uncomfortable and nothing happens except good things? We don't ask ourselves. So we don't, we don't even give ourselves a full chance. We shut ourselves down at the first sign of adversity. And that's not who we are. 
We're people that look danger in the face that are not afraid of things. And we do scary shit that most people could never think about doing. We get out with felons on traffic stops. We run into burning buildings. We, we, we go into collapsing buildings and collapsing bridges and cars that are on fire with people trapped. We do that stuff, but we're afraid to go into the safety of the real world because of what could happen. And think about that. You can't let this stuff control your life. You can't let it affect your children's life because they learn from us. They learn from our behaviors. And what we're going to end up ultimately doing is probably creating antisocial children. I mean, they're already having hard enough times with games and shit stuck in their faces and phones in their faces. And if we have that kind of behavior, we're just showing them what isolation is. And we're, we're teaching them that isolation is okay. And I had a conversation with somebody the other day, a police officer, actually. He was a captain from a department that contacted me about coming to speak to their, their police department. And we were having this conversation. He was actually really honest about something. He said this. He goes, you know, every police officer that I know laughs about not liking people. And we talk about how we don't want to be around people. And he says, but you know the the real truth of of it? I said, what? I didn't know where he was going. He goes, I think that's all bullshit. I think we're desperate to have people in our lives. And we convince ourselves that we're not desperate. So we say we hate fucking people. And what we do is we don't know how to be around people. And so we remove ourselves from it. And we say we hate people. And at the end of our lives, we don't have any people. And I said, man, I teach this in post-traumatic purpose. I teach this very thing. I was like, it's crazy because I used to be that guy that says, I hate fucking people. I don't want to be around people. And all I was doing was making an excuse because I didn't know how to behave around people. I didn't know how to fit in around people. I was different. I knew that they weren't prepared for me. They weren't, most people were not used to a guy coming up and who could talk about dicks and dildos in the middle of church. You know what I mean? Like, and so most people don't think that's acceptable. So I knew I was socially awkward in that aspect because I was fucked up because of the backgrounds I come from. It was nothing for me to talk about, Hey man, no, and I'm not even gonna say that, but I was going somewhere highly inappropriate. So what I did is I created this fairy tale in my mind that I hated people because people couldn't handle a guy like me. But what I needed to do was learn how to adjust myself. And that was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Because I also come from that mindset, if you don't like what you see, then fuck you. You're wrong. This is who I am and I'm not changing for anybody. Well, that's a dick thing to be. That's a dick thing to be. We naturally want to be around people. Human beings are built for relationships. I'm not saying intimate relationships, but relationships, interactions with people. We're built for that. And so we naturally shut that down. Chances are because of our exposure to what we call the real world, which is the evil world that all the trauma and all the bad things happen in. And that's what happens over time when prolonged exposure to these jobs that we do. Just think about that, man. Think about when you're not wanting to go around people and you're wanting to be antisocial. Think about your, don't think about yourself. Think about the people you love and what that does for them. And just work on it piece by piece by piece. And before you know it, man, you'll be at the fair. You'll be at the fucking grocery store having a good time. Think about it. I want to talk about something that's hard for me to talk about because I don't really know how to do it well. And um, that's how to be a good friend. Um, I think there's there's two sides to this because when I talk about um, 
you know, people like us, I'm, I'm primarily talking about a lot of people that have been exposed to a lot of trauma, have um, mental health issues. I'm not obviously, and I'm not speaking about the entire military, nursing world, the, the entire first responder community, dispatchers, correct. I'm not talking about all of them. I'm talking about the ones that, that this stuff is applicable to, right? And I think that we're so accustomed to having small circles, like, and I mean, extremely small circles that we're not good at letting people in and we're not good at trusting people at face value. It takes a lot to gain the trust of, I'll, I'll say someone like me. All right. And having said that, I think I've failed a lot of people over the years in wanting to establish friendships. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a bad person, but it doesn't, it mean, it does mean that I'm not a good friend in, in, in a certain sense. And I'm just not good at that. And that doesn't mean that, uh, that I pride myself in that. Because like I said earlier, if, if I find once something's addressed with me and I know that it's a problem, it takes an arrogant motherfucker to like say, Hey, fuck you. I'm not going to work on that. Right. So when, when I realize that something's an issue, I try to, I try my best to work on it and I try to, to, to become better for it. And I'm not going to get, I'm not going to dive deep into this because this isn't, um, I don't, I'm not a drama person, any of that, but I do try to take life lessons or I try to take lessons from my personal life and speak into this microphone about it because I know I'm not the only one. So having said that, when you're not good at building friendships, what, what are we, what are we really good at? We're really good at focusing on our work and we get so consumed with work that we focus so much on that, that we don't spend time nourishing other potential relationships in our life. And that could be personal friends and that could mean family. And I've, I've done a great job at not nourishing everybody that I care about. Okay. Um, I've done a great job at focusing solely on my work that that's the only thing that, that really seems important. And it seems extremely selfish of me because I do focus hard on that and I don't incorporate other people into my work. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I don't give a fuck about anybody else. But what it means is that I get so dialed into what I'm doing and it's been, it's always been a way of me, um, coping with, with things in my personal life that, when I focus so hard on what I'm doing, I can kind of control it. And I can, when I, when I have achievements with that, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel prideful when I know I'm doing good work, but then in the same breath, sometimes you end up, um, not paying attention to other things and other relationships around you. And those things suffer. And I know I'm not the only one. So what I'd like to say about that is this. If you know that you keep a very tight circle and you don't trust people, where do you think that's going to end up for you? Like, how do you think, what what's the end game with that? Because as I sit out here on my farm, I'm sitting here recording this podcast after just having a conversation about pretty much what a, what a shit friend I am. It just makes me realize like, man, I got work to do as a human being and as a man and as a friend. And I don't want to be a guy that's alone at the end of my life with no friends. Like when I say no friends, look, I mean it like this. I have a fucking ton of acquaintances. I have a lot of people that support me, but what I don't have is someone that I can just pick up the phone and go to lunch with right now. 
And th- and that's what I'm talking about when I say friend. So if you support me, please don't take that personally. Like I'm, I don't consider you a friend. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, like somebody right now, my phone's not going to ring, right? I guarantee my phone will not ring in the next two weeks being invited to go anywhere. That's what I'm getting at. Hey, Travis, let's go grab lunch. Hey, Travis, um, let me come over and just like put my foot up on the fence and let's talk shop. You know what I mean? That's what I'm getting at. And I did that myself. And, you know, I, I just dropped that episode, Friends in No Places. I think it was two episodes ago. And it got tr- so much traction. And that's another reason why I'm hitting home on this today is because I know so many people relate to this. You know, one of my one of my things has always been I don't trust a lot of people, especially with what I do, because I've got a lot of momentum, a lot of traction. And over the years, I've had people use me for that. And I'm not saying everybody has. But what it made me realize is, Sometimes people will come at you and they, it's because they want something from you. So I'm always extremely cautious about letting people too close because I get it all of the time. You know, though me and uh, my, my videographer were talking about getting breadcrumbed the other day. And this is why I don't open messages on, um, on social media. And it's not because I'm a dick. It's because I get breadcrumbed all the time. Somebody's like, Hey man, really love what you do. And I'll say, Hey, thank you so much for the support. Can't do it without you. And then they go, Boom. And then, then they'll just start trying to sell me something. Um, it happens. I can't tell you, I got so pissed off the other day. This guy, actually we got on the phone and, and he was, we, he was talking about an event, wanting to have an event. And before I knew it, he was trying to sell me this fucking program that, uh, for, for computers. And I'm just like, what in the fuck am I doing? Why? And that's what I'm talking about. And it's even like that, not just business relationships, but personal relationships. I've had a lot of people over the years, want to be close to me. And I thought it's because, Hey, maybe I'm a decent person, but turns out I'm really not a fucking good person. I'm a piece of shit, (laughs) you know, but at the end of it, I just didn't have anything else to give other than being a friend. And I know I need to work on, on that a little bit better because my, my friendship, I think, um, lacks in the support department. And it, I think, and another reason I think that the podcast does well, and I think the reason these events that I do does well is because of the transparency of this. It's, it's not fuck. It's not easy to sit here and say this and then put it into the universe. That's hard because most people care what other people think. I, I gave up on that a long time ago. Um, I quit, I quit putting all my give a fucks in one basket and hoping everybody likes my give a fucks because it's just there. It's never going to be like that. But how about you? Are you a person that has a very small circle and people come and they kind of go and they're there for a year or two and then they just kind of disappear? And then, you know, like, because at the end of the, this life, I, w- I would like to have long-term friends. You know, when I look back at uh, my father, I mean, he still has the core of friends that he had around him when I was a young boy. They used to all go hunting and fishing and everything. And they're still hanging around as old timers now. And I'm not going to have that. And that bo- that does bother me. I think my work has a lot to do with that because I travel so much that I'm not really ever in one place too long. But I I, I openly talk about um, how I was in my book. I talk about um, calling people when it was very uncomfortable and apologizing to them for the kind of friend that I was or however I was perceived. And that's not easy, you know, to the point where I was crying on the phone with grown men. And, uh, they didn't, they didn't accept my apology and that's fine. And I, and I, and I completely respect that, but there's no pride in that. And I used to, before all of that, I was a very prideful person. I didn't care who I hurt. I didn't care about all that, but, but these days I do because I'm an older man. 
And that's what's important. Relationships are important. Your health is important. You fucking, your work, not so much. I mean, it's going, it's going to be there. But again, if that's all you have in life, do you really have anything? And that, that's kind of my point. I think that many first responders, we get to a point where work is all we know. And it's the only place that makes us feel safe. And we don't realize how fast it's all going by. And it's going by so quickly that all the good stuff, we're just pushing it away. And I would just encourage you to kind of pump the brakes a little bit and and try to rein in some of the good stuff because the good stuff's not always going to be there, but work will be. You'll always have the ability to go out and work and earn a living doing something. But man, friends, I mean... There, there may be some people come into your life, but real friends, they're going to be hard. They're going to be hard to come by, especially for people like us. And when they come, you better recognize it and you better be able to wrap your arms around it and welcome it and appreciate them being in your life versus take them for granted. And that's, that's all I'm going to say on that. Um, but I would, I would highly encourage each and every one of you to become a better friend to somebody. All right. And I'm not saying just go out and make friends with anybody. And it's, I don't make excuses, but for a guy like me, it's hard to trust people. It's really, it's really hard to trust people. Um, and I need, I, I guess I need to work on that, but I've been burned so many times with it. Like, I don't really know what to do, uh, without, without putting dirt out there. Like I rem- I'm not, because I'm not in the business of talking, about individuals. Um, but my previous experiences in life have always told me when, when people start showing up in your life, especially when it revolves around business to keep people, keep people at bay because initially in the beginning, I just kind of let people a little too close. And that's when I was almost taken advantage of a few times. So then I was kind of like, all right, I'll just kind of keep people at bay and I'll do my own fucking thing. So what say you, what say you while we're getting personal here? Let's, um, I want to talk about something that I'm extremely passionate about and that's understanding your value. And what I mean by that is your value as a human being, your value in business. If you're in business and your, your value and your beliefs, all of that, the beautiful thing about value is this only you get to determine that there's nobody on this earth that gets to determine your value unless you let them determine your value. And chances are, if you start out early in life, letting people tell you what your value is, then you're never really going to understand your true value. And I'm here to tell you, you you can create, I don't give a fuck who you are. Your value is limitless if you create it. I'm so passionate about this because I feel your value and your time, they go hand in hand, right? You only get so much time in life and it literally is the most precious commodity that we have as human beings. That's your time. And if you spend it unwisely, you're just going to end up wasting it. But think about all the times people waste their potential value in life as well when they could be building that value. And what I mean, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day and they were bitching to me about how much they were making an hour. Right. And I was sitting there and I didn't say anything. I was just listening to them complain and they were like, like 
really complaining. I mean, like to the point where it was, it was sickening to hear it. And I'm listening to him to tell me like, you know, I, I only get paid this an hour and this ain't my fucking job and blah, 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 blah. And you know, if, if they fucking paid more and in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, you're the one that let them tell you what you're willing to work for. So I don't understand why you're upset. And I didn't say that because I wasn't trying to create an argument, but I say that because I understand that you get to create your worth. You alone, you, you alone have this final say so in what your fucking time is worth. And when you allow people to pay you pennies on the dollar for your time, how do you expect them to go like the second you come to them for a raise and then to jump all over it because they already know what you're willing to work for, which is usually dog shit. And if you're willing to work for dog shit, and then all of a sudden one day you're like, you know what? I want to switch this up and get something better. They're like, no, we just fucking hire somebody else. I remember we had a friend one time and I, without saying names, we had a friend one time. He went to his bosses. He wrote up this letter. All right. This motherfucker worked six days a week. And then every other week he would work Saturdays. So that would be seven days a week. He would work. And he tried to show them through, and this was a corporate job. He tried to show them that through his hard work and dedication, that he was someone that could command more money. He went to them asking for a $10,000 raise. You know what they did? They fucking fired him. They fired him. And then they eliminated the position. They completely eliminated the position. They didn't even need him in the first place. What happens when we spend our entire life working in a field, working for someone else for money that we don't even respect ourselves? We do that for safety and we do it for security. We'd rather take the safe way, be like, I'll work doing a job that I'm not that happy doing for less money because it's at least less risky than going out into the world of the unknown. That blows my mind because as, as someone who barely, and I mean fucking barely graduated high school, I'm talking squeaked through that bitch. I understand what it's like to work for yourself. And I'm glad that I do. It's hard. God damn, it's hard. It, it's brutal. But at least I get to determine my value when it comes to that. You know, as a speaker, it's really hard. As a professional speaker, it's really hard because I had, I've had this conversation with so many people. There are, and this isn't me bagging on anybody. This isn't me knocking the industry. But just like in any industry you're in, there's different levels, okay? When you're working as in a speak, in a speaking market, there are speakers that are new speakers and they don't really command much money. Some, some do it even for free. Well, you'll have events that contact you and they've had those kind of speakers. And when they call you and you tell them what you're, you know, what it's going to take to get you, you can hear the wind get sucked out of their sails. And then they'll tell you like, Oh, well we had a speaker for $500 and it's like, well, that's great and all, but I'm not a $500 speaker and I'm not trying to sound rude, right? I'm actually $525. No kidding. What happens is this over time, you do those, you do those in the speaking industry, you do a bunch of those, but as time goes on and you get better and you start commanding audiences and you start as far as like drawing audiences in and stuff, your value goes up. You get to determine that the harder you work, 
Why in the fuck would you do this for the rest of your life for $500 for the rest of your life and travel the world for $500 the rest of your life? But Because if you become really good at what you do, you can establish more value at that. So what I'm saying is this. If you're bitching about money and you're bitching about what you're getting paid, change it. Fucking change it. Gosh, I'm so passionate about seeing people do well. Like I want to see everybody winning. I, ultimately, that that's I would love to see everybody winning. I would love to see people happy doing the jobs that they do and the professions and the career paths that they chose, making top dollar doing what they're what they're doing. But if you're not making top dollar doing what you're doing, and financially it's hard for you to justify your job, what keeps you there? And I'm going to answer this. It's safety and it's security. I already know the answer to that. Safety and security will ruin you. It will absolutely ruin you when you play that safe game. I know a lot of people that have played the safe game and now they're towards their golden years and they played it safe and they're out of money because they were at least safe their whole life. And you don't want to be there because that's scary, man. I mean, I've, I've talked to some old timers who are like, I mean, I wish I would have done things differently and I wish I would have taken some chances, but I just couldn't because I had to play it safe. I've had that conversation. I can't tell you how many people I eventually, I'm not saying I'm going to do this now, but I think one day I might go into the personal coaching industry. Um, just because I think that Maybe with with some of the experiences I've had, I think I could possibly help a few people in life that just kind of need a an extra push, uh, a little bit of guidance. See, I, I didn't. I know in my life, I've I've talked about this before. Nobody's ever handed me anything. I've I've created everything from nothing. And the thing that I've gotten is overwhelming support. And I'm I'll never be able to pay that debt of gratitude back for all the support that everybody's given me over the years. That's what's been able to keep me going and keep me motivated to keep my my nose to the grindstone. So when you receive overwhelming support like that, there's it, there's momentum in your favor. So it's not like it's just me. Like it's if I didn't have support, I wouldn't be doing this for 15 years. But what I think would be cool one day would be able to like coach people as far as you know like when they come to that fork in the road in life I think most people already know the decision they want to make. And there was an old saying, the hardest thing and the right thing are almost always the same thing. And I live by that. I absolutely live by that. I've had guys come up to me and they're like, Travis, what should I charge for this speaking engagement? Should I do it for free? And I've told them, absolutely not. You shouldn't do it for free because when you do it for free, the next time they see you, they're going to expect it for free. And I said, and you think that this, this circle isn't small out here, the speaking circuit is very small. So once you do it for free, their buddies are going to be like, Hey, how much did so-and-so charge you? Well, he was free, right? And I'm just speaking about what I do. So I'm not, I can't speak intelligently on, on different career paths because I don't know how that works, but I can tell you about how this career path works. You get to establish your value and you can't be like so ridiculous about it that you never get work, but you can say no to people. And I think one of the most powerful things in life that you, and I'll never forget this, this comedian told me this Spanky Brown, he's dead now, but he told me a long time ago, he said, the hardest thing you have to learn in this industry is telling people no, because everybody wants your time for absolutely nothing. And we want to give it to them because they dangle that exposure carrot. Well, you'll get exposure. 
well, how much free exposure are you supposed to get? Are you just supposed to get free exposure to get you more free exposure? It gets you to some free exposure. It gets you some more fucking free exposure. Or do you establish a value? You hold tight and you let people move the fuck on. That's what you do. I don't care if you cut grass, if you pull wires as an electrician, whatever you do, if you're a plumber, whatever you do on the side, or if it's your main hustle, establish your value and don't cut your own throat for business. You, you don't do that. You know what you're worth. God damn it. Put your foot down and establish that, that worth and that value. Because sometimes you say a no, I'm not doing it for that. That'll get you more respect than anything from those potential customers. They may not hire you, but they'll know they're not going to fuck you either. I've given speaking advice to multiple speakers. And I was just like, dude, stop speaking for free, man. Because it's going to be so hard for you to get beyond that. Once you do it a couple times, go and tell them $12, something. Value doesn't just have to be monetized. Value can come in the form of relationships, just like I was talking about a minute ago. How much do you value yourself and what are you willing to give to other people who are not willing to give back to you? You know what I mean? And it's, uh, that made me, that made me kind of open my eyes a little bit. I think about these spouses out there that pour their entire lives into their spouses like me who have been affected by, you know, mental health conditions or, the job related stress. And I think about what these poor spouses go through. I think about what my wife has been through. I think about what my family has been through. And I think about what my friends have been through. And I think about the just devastating consequences of all of it and how many people have placed value of in their value and their time into my life. And it wasn't reciprocated, you know, and how I robbed them of that. And that hurts. That's, that's hard to verbalize. That's hard to put out into the universe, but it is, but, but it's true. And it's, um, it's not constant. It's, um, and it's not ever intentional. It's, I think it's a byproduct of everything I've experienced and not, and I don't make excuses. That's not who I am. I, I own my shit. But I do try to understand why things happen. And I think it's a byproduct of everything that I've been exposed to and what, what I've experienced in life. And it's I think it's, it's always allowed me to take that safer route of pushing people away before I let people too close to me. Um, and I think about on how I know I'm not the only person on that's listening to this that's, that's not in their head. Because we do a really good job at taking advantage of other people's time and their value as, as it pertains to investing into us, you know, we're so fortunate that we have people that care about us and that love us. And many of us take it for granted. Absolutely. hundred percent, man. And, uh, think about what those people are pouring into the, to, into us. And most of many of them will never get it back. And that, that kind of breaks my heart a little bit. I look at, I look at what my wife has been able to to give me and my children have been able to give me and I know I'll never be able to return that and that stings it really does I I'd give anything to be able to give the the love patience and understanding back to the woman that gave me all of that But I don't know how. I, I try. Um, 
then often I think about, I'm like, man, you know, when this woman was a little girl, think about this fellas, if you're listening and you have a wife, I want you to think about this. When your wife was a little girl before you ever knew her. And I think about this when I see my little girls, there's a boy out there somewhere that's going to be their husband one day. And they don't know it, but they, they deserve better than what's coming for them. They deserve so much more than what we're able to give them. And as they're dreaming about getting married and they think about getting married like little girls do, they spend their whole life waiting for that. And then they end up falling in love with somebody that gets too, that gets too damaged to give them what they've waited their whole fucking life for. And as I see my little girls, when I watch them, I think about that all the time. I know there's two little boys out there somewhere in this world, and I hope to fucking God they ain't like me. I hope to God that they're able to find somebody better than me, someone that can, who can love them, respect them, who can not... Um, not put them through a bunch of shit because of their own issues. Someone that actually has friends and relationships and it's fun to be around. Someone who doesn't see danger around every fucking corner. Somebody who, who doesn't know how to laugh anymore. Somebody who doesn't know how to smile. Somebody that doesn't yell at every little thing. I hope they don't find that. I hope that they find the opposite of all of that. I hope they find the opposite of me. And ask yourself... When when your wife was a little girl, are you what she pictured? But I think most importantly, ask yourself this. When you were a little boy, are you who you wanted to be? Are you what you pictured? Are you what you imagined? If that answer is no, then why not? I think there's still time. There's still time to achieve things in your life and to become whoever you want to be. And you know if you're happy or not. You know if you're unhappy or not. I know I know the easy way out, and I know the easy way out is to say this. I'm good with who I am. I'm I'm happy with who I am. I'm comfortable with who I am. That's what people say when they don't want to put work in. I used to say it all the time. I would lie to myself and I'm like, I love who I am. I'm I'm happy with who I am. It's everybody else. And then I was I was miserable with who I was, but I, I was afraid of the work. I was afraid to address it and I was afraid to openly communicate that with myself and I was afraid of the effort that it would take to get to where I wanted to be and I'm not there but I think the only way there is to own that shit and to admit it um look I'm going to be in Los Angeles on the 28th of this month I'm putting this episode out I'll be at the uh the Los Angeles County Firefighters Museum on the 28th there's a uh the Los Angeles County Firefighters are putting on a symposium I'm doing a 90 minute keynote speech there and then I'm done for the year. I'm proud to tell y'all I'm completely booked up for 2024. Uh, I am accepting a few more dates here and there, but not many. But I mean, when I tell you I'm completely full, I'm pretty much that that's it. I'm not taking more dates except for maybe a couple. Um, 2025 is almost full. I'm about halfway through 2025 booking for my post-traumatic purpose tour. And I'm a quarter of the way through 2026. 
I'm glad to tell you all have my voice back. I know the last episode was a little weird, but weird because I didn't have a voice. Um, check this out. I want to tell you all something, man. When I tell you, thank you for the overwhelming support. I can't, I can't tell you enough because my book, create your own light. That bitch was sitting at number three in Amazon's bestseller, um, the other day under the military category. Now, when I tell you that that is major, I want to tell you all how major that is. I'm a self-published author. I don't, I, I, I did not use a major, um, publish publishing company. I did that for several reasons. I didn't want anybody to control my story. Uh, I, I just wanted to tell my own story and my writing and my words and my terminology. And for this thing to get to number three, and I'm telling you, there's number one bestsellers that it has shot up past. It is so cool. I think I'm actually in four or five right now as I'm recording this episode because it dropped back a little bit. But we can get to the number one slot. And this is why it's important for me to get to number one. I don't make money on Amazon. That's not what it's about. You Amazon authors don't really make a lot of money. It's pennies on the dollar. What it's about for me is being a self-published guy who barely graduated high school, who barely, um, I barely graduated through the English English in, uh, in high school. I actually didn't take English two, three, and four. They were like, this boy's dumb. Uh, put him in communications in the workplace. And that's what I actually, that's what I graduated with. I took English one, then I went to communications in the workplace, then I became a Marine. I'm not ashamed of my education. Uh, I'm honest about it because my second book I'm writing about my understanding of education as I was young and how, um, I was able to grow up and do, do pretty well for myself. Um, so my hope is that I encourage other people that come from places like I come from who don't think they have a chance in life and they think that they're just supposed to be whatever their circumstances dictate. My hope is to motivate them and and to teach them differently. So here's, here's what I'm getting at. If I can get to the number one bestseller status on Amazon through create your own light with my book, you get the number one bestseller tag, and that stays with you forever. Just like when, whenever you graduate college, nobody can take that from you. When I became a Marine, nobody can take that from me. Once you become a number one bestselling author, I'm already a bestselling author, but once you become number one, nobody can ever take that from you. And it gives it validity. And what I mean by that is this, there are tons of people that are online searching for books. And when they're searching for mental health books, when they come across Create Your Own Light, the difference of having a number one bestseller and it just being there sitting at number three, it's huge. It can actually help them determine what book that they want and it may just impact their lives. So I'm not good at asking for things. So this is me asking. If you don't have that book, could you please go get it? And if you feel like you need to get two or three of them to hand out to other people, I'll never be able to repay you the debt of gratitude. Um, but it would mean a lot. It would mean a lot to be able to get to that number one spot. Um, if I don't, I'm still super proud of it hitting number three, because as a self-published guy, that's unheard of. It's just unheard of. And that's because of you all. That's because of the support that I've received over the years. This book has been out for three fucking years and it's still in the top 10. That's insane. And that's from the support but we haven't gotten the number one. So if y'all can help, it's called create your own light. It's on Amazon. It's through my website, travishouse.com. You can go there and you can grab one. I can't say thank you enough. Um, grab three, four five, six of them if you need. And, uh, hopefully I'll see y'all out there on tour and I can, I'd love to sign them up for you. Take pictures with you guys, shake your hands. I'm a blessed man in this life and it's not because of me. It's because of you. Um, you all have supported me through, through the thick of it, 
back since the days of people not supporting this shit. And here we are. So thank you so much. I love y'all and I can't wait to see y'all out there. Have a good one.